great pleasure to welcome our uh, favourite gardening person, David Peterson from Walls End Nursery, Walls End Community Nursery. Still getting used to that <laughs> name change, David. And uh, David's here to answer those all important questions. How are you going? Good, thank you, Phil, and good yeah. afternoon, everyone. How are things in uh, the nursery? Having a good spring? Dry. Dry. All yeah, I can say is dry, Phil. It's yeah. very, very dry. So, um, yeah, we need rain desperately. I mean, yeah. those little bits of showers that we've been getting, which dry basically before they even hit the ground. So yeah. we need much more than that. And uh, my my poor natives even are struggling, mm. let alone my tomatoes. Yes. My prized tomato, I must say. <laughs> Okay, uh, David, you've got some wonderful things to give away yes. to a caller on today's program. And of course, everybody who rings up to goes in uh, the draw to win that marvellous prize, um, the coupon from, yes, um, from the nursery the as nursery, well as the cafe. The cafe, yep. yep. Um, all you need to do is give your details to Diane when you ring up. But tell us about this plant and all the other okay. stuff. It's a very, very old-fashioned plant. It's called Cleome, and it, um, the old ones used to self-seed, but this one is now sterile, this particular one. It's now a little dwarf one. The old Cleomes, I forget what they used to call it. it was butterfly plant or something like that because the I flowers... I can see why. Yes, yeah. the flowers just mm. look like little butterflies. But um, most unusual plant, very, very hardy, particularly for these dry conditions. It's just a green foliage thing. grows up quite tall and slender and then has a cluster of flowers on the top. <coughs> Excuse me. We do. Yes. <laughs> this one is called um, Rosanna, and it's got a cluster of pink flowers right on the very, very top of the plant. Um, so very, very pretty. It does really well in fairly dryish conditions, as I've said, uh, but it as doesn't self-seed like the old-fashioned um, Cleomis. Ah, right. Now, the old-fashioned Cleomis are still available, by the way, okay. yeah. and they come in a range of colours of white, pinks, and all those other variations of. So they are still available. This is a new dwarf variety. As well as that, I'm giving away another backyard harvest pack. This is the cucumber pack, which means that it's got the potting mixture, the seeds, the container to grow them in, and a culture sheet there, as well as uh, a box of the soluble tomato food, which I will be still giving away. Way for most of the season so that's all going to one of our lucky callers right at the end of the program excellent so you have to be listening at the end of the show to see whether you've picked up david's goodies or not and a huge sack it is too it I is must say, it's incredible like, just it's getting like, bigger as we get closer to christmas yeah just like santa yes <laughs> <laughs> okay let's get stuck into some calls uh lorraine from caves beach would like a word david hello lorraine hi there uh just ringing about my camellia sasanquas mm-hmm. uh they're getting this like a white knobs on it. Yes. Uh, and underneath it's like a red ooze, reddish brown oozy. So this is on the stems? or yes. Yeah, okay. All right then. Well, it's probably just getting getting some scale on it. Um, can this be scratched off? The Yes, I can pick it off. It's yeah. quite firm. Okay. That's, and that should actually, if you squeeze that between a tissue, you'll probably find that red will come out of it, which is just blood because it's a living insect. So you need to try and get rid of these, Lorraine, just by getting yourself some anti-scale and just spraying that all over your camellias. They are normally susceptible to scale, so it's just a spray with the anti-scale and just make sure that you um, spray your camellias about um, two weeks later, 14 days later, just as a follow-up spray to get rid of that. Now, that won't fall off just straight away, but you'll actually kill the actual insect that's underneath that covering and stop it from spreading any further throughout the Sasanqua camellia. 
if I just pick them all off. Oh, well, if you if you wanted to do that, that's fine. They're likely to still come back, though, aren't they? Well, they will because they work with, the ants actually work with them, so it's actually the ants that sometimes carry these insects onto the plant. So if you find it just gets a little bit out of control, uh, you can use the anti-scar, but certainly you can pick them off, um, and a lot of people will do that. Even if you get a little paintbrush or something like that and just um, dip it in just very, very mild, soapy water, you can just uh, brush them off with that if you just want it to be nice and environmental. Thank you very much. My pleasure, Lorraine. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks very much, Lorraine. Um, next up, David, it's Tony from Hawk's Nest. Hello, Tony. Good afternoon, David. Thank you for taking my call. Pleasure. Um, I have tomatoes in, in my garden this year again, but I've forgotten what the mixture is of the golden circle pineapple juice with water. I can't remember the mixture. Certainly. Well, yes, of course, it has to be golden circle because it is the thickest out of all of the golden circle, out of the pineapple juice um, products. And it's 60% of the pineapple juice to 40% of water. And just for those people that aren't aware of that, it's a very, very good fruit fry, fruit fly control for tomatoes. And just so long as you just spray that onto the actual tomatoes, it puts a barrier on the tomatoes and uh, two things stop the flies the fruit flies from landing it's the stickiness first of all and then of course the acid content that's in the um, pineapple juice as well so the only time you need to repeat that tony of course is when you can't when it's not sticky or if you've had, had some rain thank goodness if we have some rain uh or you water and you water <laughs> that pineapple juice off so yeah that's the only time you need to repeat yeah. it and would does it matter if I sort of get some onto the leaves as well? Or? Oh, not at all, not at all. But the main thing is to get it onto the actual fruit. Beautiful. 60-40, thank you very much. My pleasure, Tony. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Thank you very much, Tony. 49216216 is our number. Two lines are free if you'd like to uh, ask David any questions at all about stuff that's happening in your garden. Back to your calls on Gardening Talk back here on 2NURFM, and we say hello now to Linda from Toronto. Hello, Linda. Oh, hello, David. Uh, we were visiting our daughter out at Willambai on Saturday, mm -hmm. and we noticed that the young native blueberry she'd planted a couple of months ago has quite a lot of rust-coloured spots on its leaves. Mm -hmm. Is this a problem for the young tree? Should well, it be sprayed? Well, normally when you've got these rust-coloured spots, or uh, rust or reddish-coloured spots, would it have? Oh, well, well, it, it sort of looks it looks rusty colour, but I suppose it could be. I suppose you could class it as being red. Okay, because normally red is an indication that the plant is just under a little bit of stress. That's all that red indicates. Oh, and I see. Normally, in this case, sometimes it may be just lacking in a little bit of fertiliser, or perhaps there's just a little bit of mulch put around it just to um, stop it from drying out too frequently. Oh, that might uh, have been, yes, that could have been the problem. Because I mean, yes, even though they don't mind, um, f you know, reasonably well-drained soil, they don't like to dry out uh, too much between their waterings, and particularly if they're in fruiting stage. Right. You really do need to keep the moisture up to them. So perhaps that's all it was. I mean, certainly if it was rust, I mean, normally with normally blueberries don't get rust, but if they get a fungal disease, it would be normally a black spot of some description. If no, that was definitely the case. not black. Okay. Well, that's fine. I'd say it would be just a little bit of stress um, that the plant is under, and as I said, just a little bit of liquid fertiliser perhaps, and just a bit of mulch around it just to keep it uh, nice and moist. Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome, Linda. Okay, thank bye -bye. you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Linda, and uh, to Greg now at Summerland Point. David? Hello, Greg. Hi, David. How are you? Good, right? thank you. Um, I've got um, lemon, orange trees, mm. and last year we had a little fruit fly on it. We got hold of some Lebicid. Lebicid, yes. Lebicid, or whatever mm -hmm. you pronounce it. 
and I lost a bit of paper, and I can't remember whether it says spray as soon as the fruit develops or wait till uh, later on. Okay, well, normally when you're spraying leopard seeds, particularly if we're, first of all, we'll talk about stone fruit, uh, normally you wait until the fruit's about half mature size, and then you start spraying every two weeks. But because... Uh, the fruit fly are attacking even earlier than that. It's probably wise to go back to even marble size and then start spraying citrus yeah. trees. Uh, normally, when once again the fruit is approximately about half the normal mature size, it is probably a very, very good idea to get in and start spraying your citrus every two weeks because they are becoming very, very cunning and mean and, of course, much stronger, so they are actually penetrating citrus even at a small stage. Yeah, I've so, noticed a couple around already. Yes. So certainly uh, every two weeks after you start spraying the levisid, just to keep that under control. Thank you very much for that. You're welcome, Greg. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Thank you very much, Greg. And uh, 49216216, the number. Pam from Aberglassen is on the line now. David? Hello, Pam. Good morning. Hello. Good afternoon. How are you? <laughs> Good, it sneaks up you. on you, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I have a Dracula Arum. Mm. Now, it's flowered twice this year. I've had two flowers on it. Is there anything I can feed it with or is there anything I can do to make it stronger and give better flowering? Well, look, certainly the only thing you can do is just give it a little bit of organic fertiliser and certainly any of the pelleted manures are organic and that would be quite okay. Or even a little bit of blood and bone wouldn't go astray around because, once again, it is organic and it's nice and safe to use around most things. Now, certainly as far as promoting the flowers go, the a product that's called potash is available. It is now available in a liquid form, which you can actually dilute down and water over everything. And this is basically a product that is there to help promote the flowers. So perhaps you could try that on the um, on the arum as well, uh, Pam, just by using the potash once every couple of weeks. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's just such an unusual plant. I don't want to lose it, and I no. even though it's Stinks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, it's, it should be most unusual when it's out in flower. So it is. Yes. It All is. right. All right. Thank you. You're welcome, Pam. Bye bye now. And uh, David, we've got Janice from Ashtonfield on the line. Hello, Janice. Hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. I want to find out. I am moving house um, in about four weeks' time, and I want to see if I can um, six successfully um, remove my um, mango tree and, and repot it. It's actually um, 18 months old. Oh, that should be fine. I mean, that's only fairly young, so you should be able to move that quite successfully. What I would suggest that you do, even from now on, uh, just try and... Um, just with a spade, just under the drip area of the tree. So wherever the foliage actually just finishes, just directly below that, just sever, if you can, down into the ground, just every second spade. Basically what that does, it actually uh, severs the root system partly, it adjusts the plant to being able to be moved so that then you can then go around and sever the rest of the root system when you're about to move it so you're not actually putting, in it, putting it in too much shock and that way you can lift it nice and successfully. You may have to do a little bit of pruning, just a top prune, but if you do it this way, you won't have to prune as much off because you're actually preparing it for moving. So is, is that, does that make sense to you? Yes, okay. yes. so I, I just prune um, just uh, where, where the flowers and, and the um, fruit, well, I know it won't fruit just yet. No. It takes a couple, about four years yes. for fruit. But um, so I cut all that off um, and then just, 
um, every second area. Every second spade depth down, yes, around the drip area of the tree, and that just basically severs part of the root system, getting it ready for moving. Right, so in about four weeks should be okay to... Yes, well certainly if you do that now or within the next couple of weeks, it should be ready to move when you're ready to go. So, And then what, then put it in the ground yes. and um, feed it with sea salt? Uh, yes, certainly prepare the ground if you possibly can just with some really good compost. Mix that through and pop that around the root system of the mango tree. And then yes, use some sea salt on it and try and do that every 14 days for at least four times. Right, then. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, David. Bye. Thank you very much, Janice. Um, our next caller is from Wanji, and we say hello to Scott. Hello, Scott. Hello, Scott. Perhaps we don't have Scott there. I'll just try again. Hello, Scott. There's no Scott there. <laughs> okay. Well, um, probably, uh, David, while we're uh, finding Scott... The um, the vegetables that we're putting in at this time of year mm. is it is it for first of all is it a good time to put vegetables in for summer? Well, it is. I mean, look, certainly you can still put them in. We are in the peak of the season for planting uh, vegetable seedlings. We're right in our summer months now, so you still can plant them. But the most thing, most important thing, is that you do keep the moisture up to them. And certainly, it's a very very good idea to prepare the ground prior just with adding some compost, a good, complete organic fertiliser and perhaps a little bit of garden lime because that's going to sweeten the soil for you. I see. You can then just cover the ground in some sugarcane, as I've mentioned, and then you just dig or just separate the sugarcane wherever you're wanting to plant your little seedling because most people find seedlings much easier to plant than putting in seeds. So mm. it's wise mm. to just just part the, the sugarcane, plant your little seedling down in amongst the soil, in amongst the sugarcane, and of course that protects the little seedling as well. Make sure you water that in um, and then we're just with some sea salt and that just stimulates the roots to grow and of course most importantly make sure you keep the water up to your little seedlings. Oh, especially this time of year. Yes. Uh, Dennis from Belmont North is with us now. David? Hello Dennis. G'day David, how are you? Good, thank you. Um, I've got a couple of hydrangea plants in the yard mm -hmm. and I've noticed that a lot of the young leaves are a motley colour, very light, and then seem to die off. And it's quite, you know, there's quite a bit of it in the in the plant. Um, what would that be? Okay, well, there's a couple of things that may may be causing that. First of all, sometimes when hydrangeas are starting to grow and we get some really really hot weather, sometimes it just singes the young foliage, particularly when we get really, really hot westerly winds that can singe the leaves very, very easily. And, of course, yes, they will then turn brown and fall off. Secondly, sometimes they will get a mite in them, so, so which is very, very rare, I might might say. But certainly you could just spray them just with something that's got miticide on the label. And there is one particular one that's just simply called insect and mite killer. And you could spray them with that. But I would just cut these young this young foliage off, Dennis, that have got this problem. And you'll probably find it will reshoot away again and give you much better growth underneath. That sounds good. All right. Also... David, while I figure it um, last year I've got a couple of um, those miniature nectarine mm -hmm. peach tree sort of things, and I put those, you know, the mosquito coils that you get? Oh, yes. I put them underneath them. Right. Um, I think they burn for like eight hours, and I didn't have to spray um, last year for fruit flies. Okay, well, that's... And all that... the bugs that come out 
that I didn't realise were in there was just astonishing. Yes. Well, that's um, a great idea because obviously it's the smoke that they don't like. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, that's certainly a great idea. Thanks for bringing that to our attention. It's a so, tremendous idea. Yeah, that would be safe and everything. Oh, so, well, I should imagine it would be because there's nothing really in it just except for smoke. So, I mean, it's obviously the smoke that the insects um, don't appreciate yeah. and that's why they don't... Um, don't go on the tree. And I, as I said, I think that's a great idea. That's the first time I've heard of that, actually. Oh, oh good. <laughs> All right, Dave. Thanks very much. So well done. Thanks, Dennis. All right, mate. Okay, bye-bye. Yeah, and of course, if you've got any um, hints and tips that you can offer to the gardeners yeah. of the Hunter, we, we love to hear them here. That's a great one. I know mozzie calls would certainly drive me off, <laughs> if not the bucks. Okay, online next, Scott from Arcadia Vale. Hello, Scott. Hey. How you going, mate? Good, thank you. I've just got a quick question about me mango tree. It's about three years old. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it's getting the flowers and that on it. Good. And last year, it, they just went black and they dropped off. Um, mm-hmm. I've been spraying it. I sprayed it last year with mango zed, but did I spray it too early? Okay. Well, the most important time that you need to spray it, Scott, is whilst it's in flower, and particularly when the flowers start to open, because that way you can get the mango zeb into the actual flower. Sometimes just by spraying it onto the buds, may not be enough. It's actually got to get into the flower so it prevents the flower from going black. Even if you have to do it a couple of times, even when it's in bud, and then once again whilst it's in flower, it's not going to harm the mango tree. In actual fact, it's probably protecting the mango even more so. Okay, some of the leaves are dying off, going black and wilting up. Is that that what they're calling rust? Well, not really, because, I mean, look, certainly you will get an after-effect of winter that causes that, which causes a lot of the leaves to go black and just simply fall off. Sometimes that's a lot of the older leaves, because it's making way for a lot of the new foliage to then come out of the top after it actually sets fruit. Okay, one more quick question. Mm -hmm. It's on a slight slope, and we took pens just above it. Do they, like manure or not? Well certainly by the time it probably gets to the mango it will be fairly diluted because it's sifted through soil so I think that should still be fine. It's not going to harm it unless it's the poultry manures coming in direct contact with the root system straight away but as I said I'm sure it would be filtering through so that should be fine. Right, beautiful, not a problem. Thanks Scott. Thanks for that. Okay, bye bye now. Hello Roy. David, good afternoon. My wife has some very large uh, shrubs in the front yard mm-hmm. which uh, grew too big and we decided to have them removed. So we did. We got some professional people in and they cut them right down to the, almost virtually to the ground, but you, but the, we couldn't go under the ground and pull all the root structure out. And what's happening now is that uh, they're, they're regrowing. Mm-hmm. And I, I went and put some Roundup on them and I thought to myself, this this won't work because the the, the root structure is simply massive. Uh, what's the best way to get rid of this, this regrowth now? Is very dense on these bushes and about a foot high. What would be a, a good way to get rid of them? Well, I think, Roy, the, the safest way to get rid of them is by using your Roundup. But the thing is, if you can cut those stems back down to the ground and let them reshoot again and spray your Roundup on that actively growing young stems, that's probably the best thing to do. There are stronger products, but I certainly don't normally recommend them because they kill the ground as, as well. So, therefore, you wouldn't have anything growing there. Okay, so if I got a, a, a 
spade and sort of chopped them off yep. as close as I can, each one individually. Yes. And, and then and then you wait for a little bit of regrowth, and as soon as they start to get regrowth, hit it with uh, with Roundup or similar product. That's right. Yes, and just keep doing that because it will burn off the existing growth that you're spraying it onto, and then it'll want to probably reshoot again. But eventually, you'll probably find there'll be so much chemical that goes down into the actual stem or the major root system that it would just stop growing. So, but as I said, that's the safest thing to do, Roy. There are other stronger chemicals, but it's something I normally try and avoid um, suggesting. So I, I just virtually keep doing it because yeah. the, the, the roof, roof structures, I understand, is, is about this is as much under the ground as there is above. So the, the root structures would have been pretty massive. That's so right. I've, yes, I've just got to keep doing it. Keep doing it because, as I said, that's the safest way rather than you actually damaging the soil. Thank you, David. You're welcome, Roy. Thank you. Thanks, Roy. Um, uh, Bob's next on the line. David, Bob's from Morissette. Hello, Bob. And good afternoon, David. Um, I live in a manufactured home village, mm-hmm. and across a very small road is two very large gum trees. Right. Now, if the wind is just right and it's not too hard, my front yard, which is concrete, gets covered in gum tree seeds. Mm-hmm. Is there anyone who'd be interested in them? Probably not in gum gum seeds because, I mean, normally it's just the forestry and places like that that grow them in mass. You certainly could try the Forestry Commission and just give them a call and just see whether they're interested. They'd probably need to know the variety of the gum as well to to know whether they would want gum seed like that. But certainly it's worth a try. Just give the Forestry Commission just a ring and see whether they'd be interested. Yeah, I mean to say it doesn't cost me anything to get them, I'll tell you. That's right. <laughs> so, yes, it's worth a try just giving them a call, Bob. Okay, thanks very much. My pleasure. Bye-bye now. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, I didn't realise how easily uh, eucalypts self-seeded. Doing some work over at the uh, Wetland Centre with raising so plants. Fine, aren't they? And they come up in, in all the pots yes, in the hardening yes. off section there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they they seem to be very easy to grow when yes. they want to grow, yes, I think, is the yes. thing. Okay, uh, let's see, David, how you can help Louise from Edgeworth now. Hello, Louise. Good afternoon, David. I have a yellow plant, but it's a weed, I think, mm-hmm. um, and it keeps shooting and spreading, and I just want to kill it. That would be a cassia by the sounds of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do I go about killing it? So, I mean, the thing is with the cassia, it, it seeds quite readily. So you've, you've only always got seeds producing on it. So as long as you can get these seeds off the plant, that will stop it from reproducing. So, And the seeds form long, long capsules, and you just need to trim those off. Get rid of the main plant if you possibly can first, yeah. but then the seeds that have already been dispersed, they will want to germinate. So it would be just a matter of pulling those up from the ground. But if you do have a mature plant, certainly the best thing would be to collect the seeds as they are maturing on the particular plant. Okay, and it's got a really big root root system. It probably would have a reasonable root system, yes, but certainly if you can just um, cut it off at the base, sometimes it may not reshoot and you you may stop it from reproducing that way as well. No, I've already did that already and I've even put some um, Roundup on it, like yes. maybe it'll hold to put round up, and it's 
grow on again. Yeah. Like nothing sort of kills yeah. it. Look, certainly when you cut something down like that, rather than drilling holes into it, it's probably wise as soon as you cut it down, just paint the glyphosate or zero over the exposed cut because it draws the chemical in a lot easier than actually drilling holes into the oh, side okay. of it. Mm. Yes. Um, what what sort of thing did you say to put on a paint? You paint the like you've done the glyphosate yes. or zero. That's probably they're, they're they're all the same product. So, oh, okay. Yes. And one other quick question: What deters cats from coming in your yard and like? Everywhere. Well, it's certainly you could try just the household products like sprinkling some black pepper around. Sometimes they don't like the smell of black pepper. Okay. Um, and there are products that you can purchase which are citronella-based that you can spray or place around, and that will deter them as well. Okay, excellent. All right. Thank you for your help. You're David. welcome. Bye-bye, Bye-bye now. Thank you, Louise. Yeah, I used to have a, a neighbourhood cat that used to stalk arrogantly Oh, through yes. my garden and looking through the window and sneer <laughs> at me. And uh, my, my son-in-law lent me um, a one-dimensional black metal cat oh, with, yes, um, yes. With, with marbles marble eyes, for yes. eyes. And I haven't seen that cat wow, since. Yes. I just put it on the track where the, this cat used to walk. Yes. And uh, I, I had no faith in it, to tell yes. you the truth. No offence, Nick. I had no no, <laughs> no faith in it, but um, yeah, it seems to have done yeah, the trick. We sell those; they're, they're amazing. Yes, oh, right. yes. I still come out sometimes in the morning and look at look at the uh, the garden and think there's a black cat in yeah. there, <laughs> but that's not. Uh, yeah. So um, before we digress onto that, um, we were talking earlier about vegetables. Yes. Um, uh, what else should, should we be planting this time of year? Um, besides vegetables? Besides vegetables, yeah. Well, look, certainly, I mean, a lot of people will be very, very interested in getting their flowering seedlings in for, for oh, our right. Christmas yep. period. White and red, of course, always are oh, the, the traditional petunias? colours. Petunias? Yes, petunias yeah, are great. I remember. Yep. And because, I mean, it's so dry, I mean, certainly they are really great to plant at this time of the year. So, I mean, if you haven't popped your petunias in yet, get them in. Because even if they you put them in early and they come up to flower very quickly, you can keep pinching them back and it just keeps promoting more and more growth. Oh, right. And, of course, by the time they get to a nice full stage, that's when you then let them flower. Encourage them on just by using some liquid fertiliser every couple of weeks and that brings them on very, very fast and, of course, brings the flowers on as well. So, I mean, you'll get a, a brilliant show between now and Christmas because there's still, what, a good at least six weeks or yeah, so. Yep, uh, yep. And that's normally the time mm. that it takes the petunia to come up and be in full bloom. Oh, right. So if we get a bit of warm weather, a bit of rain, maybe yeah. too. Well, we'll... rain, yes, desperately need <laughs> rain, Phil. Just keep I know, I keep harping on this rain thing. Desperately <laughs> rain, yes. yes. Okay, you're listening to Gardening Talkback on 2NURFM 103.7. We'll have a little bit of music and then the news. We'll be back after the news. Good chance to give us a call right then, 49216216. The Doobie Brothers and One Step Closer, 2NURFM 103.7. Gardening Talkback, 49216216. Before we get started on your calls, David, um, a question from Rod from Mayfield. He'd like to know if it's uh, really safe to use grey water on lawn and shrubs, if it's biodegradable. Well, look, certainly it is. I mean, this is a great idea, and particularly the way the weather is at the moment. We Mm -hmm. really do need to to use these resources. The only thing I must stress on that is that try not to use this grey water on the same spot, you know, day after day. So you don't get a build-up. Yeah, that's right. Continually move it around because there is still a little bit of bacteria in that grey water, so you really do need to just um, spread 
spread it around the garden and the lawn or wherever, mm. rather than concentrating it just in that one position. Oh, I see. But yeah, right. look, it's a great idea, particularly the way the weather is at the moment. Yeah. It's so dry. Yeah. Anything we can get on the lawn, the better. Yeah, I'm, I'm using my uh, watering system quite yeah. a lot at the yeah, moment. And yeah, that's a good thing to do. Okay, let's get to the calls on 49216216. Maureen from Charlestown. Hello, Maureen. Hello, David. Um, I just thought I'd let you know I have a large passion fruit vine and every year the possums eat everything, <laughs> right? It's very this annoying. Year, I've put solar lights all the way along my fence oh, and, okay. I and I haven't touched them. Wow, that's great. And they're ready. They're big now and it is loaded. They're not even eating the new shoots. Okay. Well, I'm that... the passion fruit, but I've got all these solar lights. I'm like Luna Park <laughs> um, along my fence. That's a wonderful idea. Thank you wow. very much for sharing that with us. Yeah, I just thought I'd share it. Now, the other thing I'd like to find out is when do I prune my bougainvillea? Okay, well, bougainvilleas are actually looking great at the moment because Aren't we've they? had so much dry weather. Normally, we would prune those back in late winter, early spring, but because we've had such a dry season, they've come into flower so much quicker and so much earlier this year. So once you've had a flush of flowers... Yes. Then give it a prune back. I don't know when that will be, by the way. <laughs> Neither do um, I. It's the most magnificent. Yes. But certainly while it's in flower, take advantage of all that wonderful colour. And if it does tend to look a little bit uh, off um, later on in the season, you know, then give it a good prune back and it will shoot back to life as quick as ever again for you. Right. Thank you for that. You're welcome, Maureen. Bye. Okay. And thanks for that tip. That's great. <laughs> Thank Just you. experimenting. Yes, well, you I experiment. love my possums, <laughs> but I do like my passion That's fruit. exactly right. All right, Maureen. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye-bye now. Thanks, Maureen. Yeah, what a great idea. Yes, it is. It's and fantastic. simple and easy to yes. do. Yes. Yep. Okay, uh, Des from Woodville's on the line now. David? Hello, Des. Hello, how are you? Good, thank you. I, uh, I love my uh, gum trees, especially the ones that grow at where I am, and I like to... Uh, encourage any seedlings to grow, you know, from the original trees that's around. Mm -hmm. um, I found the other day two young gum trees, only a metre apart. Now, obviously, one of them's not going to survive if left there. Uh, there, there are ones about uh, yeah, a metre tall. Yes. How could I transplant them? Well, this, this is going to be very, very difficult because with natives, once they've been planted, they should never be moved. And certainly something that is about a metre in height. Certainly if I, you know, it was something around about uh, six inches or so in height, I'd say, yes, you probably have a good chance of moving it. But not when it's a metre high, and particularly when it's a gum tree which has a taproot which goes straight down. So the, the moment you disturb the root system, you'll find it will just keel over and die 99%. I mean, that 1% chance that you may actually get it to survive is really a, a very very slim chance so yeah i mean you can certainly try and do that des but you know you've got to be very very careful try and get as much soil as you possibly can and move it um, as steadily as possible and then once you've potted it put it into the new spot water it in with some sea cell and certainly hope for the best Okay, so what? How deep do you reckon the uh, taproot would be on a on a tree that size? Oh goodness, you know, you would have to go down about 0.5 of a meter in depth at least to try and get it without disturbing it too much. Okay, and and what? And it's the taproot that's the important thing, not the hair roots around the outside. The Tree? Well, it's everything. It's everything. I mean, this is why you've got to be very, very careful that you try not to disturb the root system because once you do that, it will just curl up and die. Okay. All right. But I, I'm 
you agree with me that a metre apart, only oh, one's going to survive. Far too, yes, exactly. It's far too close. I mean, you need to move one of them, and why not try and move the one that you're thinking of moving anyway? Well, I'd move the smaller one, I yeah, suppose. that's good. That's yeah. good if you can do that. Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome, Des. Bye-bye Bye now. now. Thank you, Des. Uh, we go to uh, Curry next, and we say hello to Susan. Hello, Susan. Hi. I was just wondering, I just brought a Wollumbi pine. Does that grow by cutting by any chance? It doesn't. Look, once again, this is this is one of the most difficult things to grow. Uh, it's normally grown from a seed, from what I can recall. So, no, it wouldn't grow successfully from a cutting. Oh, okay then. And what's a good time to transplant it? It's only a new plant. Okay. So why are you wanting to transplant it? It's in a pot and I was putting it into the ground. Okay, well, you will certainly do that at this time of the year. Make sure you prepare the ground really well with a nice compost because they do like a lot of humus around the root system, uh, but certainly now would be the time to do that. Okay, then. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Susan. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you, Susan, and uh, good luck with that. They're a beautiful thing. Oh, aren't they just? And well worth uh, putting in the garden. Um, Sandra from Wards River is next, David. Hello, oh, Sandra. Good afternoon. good afternoon, David. I heard you speaking last week about the pineapple juice for fruit fly on tomatoes, so I bowled along to the grocer yesterday to buy some. Now, it's, um, it says that it's unsweetened pineapple juice, and they didn't have anything that was sweetened pineapple juice. That's all right. Is that still going to be okay? Yes, yes, you can use unsweetened or sweetened. It really doesn't make much difference. Oh, because I thought I went through all the different brands, but I went, I knew you, knew you said the one particular <laughs> brand, and I thought, well, I wonder if I have to put sugar in it. So that's no. what I was doing before. Well, but but, the, look, I tell you what, the, the, the sweetened one, actually sometimes I've found from people that have used it, have attracted a lot of ants. So perhaps the unsweetened one is a bit better choice anyway, oh, because it won't attract as many ants to the area. And it's 60% pineapple juice to 40% water, isn't it? That's exactly right, yes. Oh, thank you very much. My pleasure. Bye. Okay, bye-bye now. Thank you very much, Sandra. Um, yeah, I was wondering about ants and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, <laughs> if, it's, if it's unsweetened, then why not? That's right. Yep. And we say hello to Robin from Madawi. Hello, Robin. Hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. That's good. Um, I've got a persimmon tree that I bought at the end of last season... I've planted it. It's a grafted one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's shot. It's got flower buds on it. But it, the bark has a weeping. It's weeping and it's sort of dark. So there's little spots up the trunk. So is this from low, right down at the base and making its wake up, way up the trunk? Yes. Okay. It's, it's, it's not in the grafted part, the, the, the root part, mm-hmm. but it's up the stem. I have been to a nursery and I said that I had that. I didn't buy the plant from that nursery, Mm -hmm. but he said just leave it, but I'm not happy with it. No, I mean, it certainly shouldn't be weeping. You shouldn't have anything weeping out of the stem. So the bark's not splitting in any way. No, it's not split. It's it's just sort of a darker colour, and to me it feels a little bit softer. Mm. But that wasn't a, it was quite expensive to buy. Yes, yes. Look, the only thing I can think of with maybe having a little bit of collar rot, which causes rotting and it causes the stem to actually rot. Yes. Um, 
I mean, normally in that situation, you would you would normally have to clean up the area as best you possibly can with a very very sharp knife or implement, scraping that dead and rotten material away, and then treating it with a tree wound dressing, which is a particular product that you paint on as a false skin, so it stops any disease or anything getting into the tree. So, can you actually peel those soft areas off? Or it it, it doesn't seem that I can. I have the the little bit of sap that's come out. I have sort of poked got that little bit out like mm. dripping bit yes. of sap but no it's not that bad right but okay. i i when it was dormant i did sp- uh, spray it with because it had it on it before it it, it when it was dormant as mm-hmm. well and Look, i did spray it a bit with collar collar and root rot okay uh, but then I thought maybe it didn't absorb it because right. it was dormant. Well, I think, Robin, the only other thing to do is if you can take a few pictures and send them to me, um, oh, okay. and that, that way I can have a look at them on the computer if you send it to an email address, and that way I can have a look at it. Right. Certainly, um, you, you, I, you can phone the nursery and get my email address, and then you can send those along, and I can have a look at it and see what I think from there. Okay, that would be excellent. All right. Thank you very much for that. You're yes. welcome, Robin. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, Robin. Uh, we go to uh, Marilyn now in New Lambton Heights. Hello, Marilyn. Hello there. I'm just putting a plug in for the bonsai exhibition. Yes, certainly. It's on this weekend. Yes. At Charlestown Bowling Club. Mm-hmm. Friday from 1 till 6. Yes. And Saturday 10 till 5 and Sunday 10 till 4. Very good. Any admission fee, Marilyn? $5. Okay, $5. That's for adults. Children are free. All right. And they're doing a little bit of special for the children. Um, they want to uh, the children to be involved in maybe um, plotting, potting up a little bonsai tree that they can take home. Oh, okay. Free. Very good. All right. Well, that's wonderful, Marilyn. Thank you very oh, much good. for that. Okay. And you've got your garden opened up very soon? Yes, 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 the weekend after. Yes, so we may we need to probably mention that next week next week as well on the show that um, yours and your daughter's has opened up that same weekend. That's right. All right, Marilyn. Yes, thank just and just some rain, thanks. Yeah, I know oh, we desperately look. need it. It would freshen things up beautifully. We've got our it? fingers <laughs> and our toes crossed for you, Marilyn. <laughs> yes, that's right. All right, Good. thank you bye. very much. Goodbye. Bye bye now. Yes, uh, Marilyn and, and her daughter have uh, adjoining yes. beautiful gardens they are lovely, in yes. New Lambton Heights. And um, I won't be here next week, but you'll be able to give everybody yes. that information. I'm I sure, will David. Yes. Yep. Okie doke, last caller for today. Let's say hello to Nita from Merriweather. Hello, Nita. Oh. Hello, David. Yes. David, I have a lemon tree and it was full of blossom. Mm-hmm. The little lemons came and the possums bit the lemons off and took them around and put them in just a little place in the garden. Oh, okay. All together. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, now, I've sprayed, sprayed it with pest off, but I think that's a bit late now. Oh, it would be, yes. Will the, the lemon tree flower again? Well, look, it should, because, I mean, if it's a eureka lemon, they flower off and on all the way through the year, so I think you'll probably find it'll have another lot of flowers as we get into the season a bit more. So I wouldn't be too disheartened about that. I think it, you'll probably find it will flower again for you, Nita. Oh, good. And can I put blood and bone on lemon trees? Yes, you certainly can. But what I would suggest that you do also besides the blood and bone is when you actually start to see the next sort of flowers on, that might be the time to get in fairly quickly with the spray that you've got to try and deter the possums this time when it does come into fruit. Right. Now, I have 
passion fruit vine, which is absolutely covered in passion fruit. Mm-hmm. And I bought some pest, uh, what do you call it, uh, some spray to put on it yes. um, to feed it. And I don't know, do I feed it now? Well, look, certainly it's a, it's a good idea to feed your passion fruit just with a citrus fertiliser. Just pop that around the base and that way it'll go up through the root system into the plant. But also, oh. Nita, you've, you've said you've got passion fruit on, so the possums love passion fruit as well. So I certainly will be giving it a spray with that possum spray that you've got as well, just in case they disappear as well. Well... It's potash that I bought to put it oh, on. Oh, okay. Yes, well, that's and, that's great, yes. And can I put that on all plants? You can because it's actually a flower producer, so it is worthwhile to use it on everything that does flower. Oh, good. Now, I rang you uh, some time ago and told you that I bought these birds with the psychedelic colours on it. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, and the light from the, from the street shines on it. Yes. And I've not had a possum on my... Um, Tree. That's excellent news. Well, thank I you. Should, for sh- thank I you for should sh- put them on the lemon tree yes. too, but there's no light there <laughs> for it to shine. Yes. Yes. No, that's great news, Nita. Right, yeah, then. Thank thanks you very much. much. Okay, bye bye now. Oh, right, so it was Nita who had the disco ball yes. for, the, um, yes. for the possums. Okay, David, um, time for you to choose somebody from amongst that list of callers to be the winner of these wonderful things. What are you giving away there? Okay, well, it consists of this beautiful little Cleome plant. Now, this is a new hybrid, so therefore it doesn't self-seed like the normal uh, Cleome plants. Beautiful uh, pink flower, really clusters of pink flowers right on the very top of this little plant. Good sunny spot in a garden. It does extremely well. As well as that, I'm giving away the backyard harvest pack, which is the cucumber pack, which has got the seed-raising mixture, the seeds, the tray, to grow them in and a culture sheet as well as a box of of course the tomato soluble plant food and I thought I might give it to Maureen today of Charlestown that rang about the passion fruit plant so Maureen all you really need to do make your way along to Walls End Community Nursery that's on the corner of Crowdits and Lake Road Walls End one condition is come in before next Monday because I will have a brand new gift to give away next week well uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again next Monday David thanks Phil I'll see you then and good gardening everyone